Revachal is a city located on the island of Le Caillou. It's inside of an archipelago known as Insuland. Fifty years ago, a constitutional monarchy that spanned three and a half centuries buckled under inbreeding, madness, drug abuse, and embezzlement. Then came Zarnath. Far away from Insuland on the Isola of Grad, a horrible little mistake of biology occurred. Somewhere, in some body, a protein misfolded into something alien, manipulative, destructive, and incompatible with human life. A prion that further misfolded every protein that contacted it. For reasons lost to the chaos of history, that prion disease spread unchecked until it became a pandemic. The destruction of that disease heightened the contradictions in Grad so much that an economist named Kras Mazov found himself leading a communist revolution. His government provided revolutionary public health care, ending the pandemic. In March of 2002, the Commune of Revachal transmitted their March decree, inspired by the revolution in Grad. They claimed insulin for the communists, with the citizens' militia marching for them. They killed the final suzerain of Revachal. Six years later, a counter-revolution took back control of Grad. Mazov, according to Gradian historians, killed himself as the palace was surrounded. Grad was welcomed into a humanist international treaty organization called the Coalition of Nations, along with participation in the Moral Intern, Incercom, and the Bank of the World. The real became the global reserve currency. This coalition made its way into Insuland, teaming up with the Royalist Army in their blue uniforms while coalition gunboats indiscriminately bombarded the capital. For two years, artillery blasted away at Revachal until finally the commune ceded Revachalian sovereignty away. Even the Royalists were betrayed. There was no more nation, no more commune, no more kingdom, simply a zone of control. It is now 51, and a police officer in an obliterated hotel room is trying to figure out how many drugs he needs in his system before he can destroy the universe. Welcome to the worst of all possible worlds, the first and only podcast to steal its intro from blowback. I'm the worst of all possible AJs. I'm the worst of all possible Brian's. And I'm the worst of all possible Josh's. Today's episode, Disco Elysium. Very, that's right, baby. That's Disco Elysium. What I was just saying to you isn't real. What? It didn't actually happen. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. There's no place called Grod? No, there is no place called Grod. It's in a video game. You can't just lie to me like yeah. that. Yeah. That's yeah. fucked up. If you wondered what that word Isola was, it's because we're in this weird sci-fi world where there aren't really just continents. There are these land masses that are separated by an ocean of the collective unconscious. Yeah. Made, uh-huh. made, made concrete. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know, the Disco Elysium here, we are talking about it today because this game has come back into the consciousness quite a bit lately, it seems yeah. like. Yeah. 
Some for good reasons, <laughs> yeah. some for not so great reasons. It's what we call a sort of, I don't know, poetic irony yeah. that has brought Disco Elysium back. Yeah. But, you know, every week on this show, we do a case study in the pop culture of a dying empire. And man, you want to talk about a game that tackles the topic of dying empire? Yeah. Disco Elysium is it. This game is huge. This yeah. game has over a million words. Yeah, written it doesn't into it. seem huge. It's kind of a limited scope. Yeah, but the map is very it's, small. It's enormous. Like, like in comparison, I think Fallout New Vegas had somewhere around like 120,000 words. Right. War and Peace has 600,000. That sounds about right. Yeah. So this okay. game has more words than that. You are not going to read all of them when you play through the game. No, no, no. It would take. You're gonna read a lot of them. <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna read a lot of them. And the fact that there are any typos in it, I think, is a fun miracle. I didn't spot any. Yeah, yeah I, I think they've used some of their patches to be able to, right. to deal with those. Sure. But it's also that we are not going to be able to cover the entirety of this game in the amount of time that we'd have for a, a podcast. I know we could probably talk for six hours about this game, but I, we're not going to do that to you. Like another podcast did, AJ? Yeah, like another <laughs> podcast did, which actually I think is a very fun listen. But look, I, I, I love this game. I think there are things about this game that are uh, it, it makes the flaws of the game pr all the more pronounced because of how much I love it. Uh, but it's mostly nitpicking. Like, this is probably one of the greatest games ever made. It doesn't have sort of the main sort of mechanics that you would normally expect. It is mostly about the words. And the man who wrote 500,000 words is a man named Robert Kurvitz. He's an Estonian novelist. Um, he dropped out of school when he was 15 years old, and he decided to really go whole hog on a D&D &D game that he was playing with his friends. Yeah. Uh, he wrote a novel called Sacred and Terrible Air, which is also set in the world of Elysium, yes. which he built with his friends around yeah. a tabletop game. Part of what makes this game so large is that it's just dense. There is so much history. There is so much about like technology and the way that the world forms. As you yeah. can tell from the introduction, none of that stuff is stuff that happens in the game. Right. This is all stuff that you get little peeks at here and there, depending on where your stats are and who you're talking to and how you talk to them. Yeah. This stuff is incredibly intricate, and it's because this world has actually existed outside of this video game for like a decade or more. Right. Oh, wow. Because really? the people of Zaum, yeah. Zaum is the, the company, the developer, but it was also just an art collective. It was just yeah. these sort of like, I don't know, Meow Wolf or something, but yeah. in Estonia. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And they didn't have a George R. R. Martin to help them out, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> so they they had been building up this tabletop game for a very long time. I don't think there's like a published version of the game. I think it was just something that they did together. Sure, right. sure. And all of these sort of derivative works came out of it, most notably Sacred and Terrible Air. Well, most notably until Disco Elysium. Sure. Yes. So what was the period of time then between Sacred and Terrible Air and Disco Elysium? Sacred and Terrible Air, I think, was published in 2012. Yeah. They founded Zaum in 2016. Yeah. And then the first version of Disco Elysium came out in 2019. Right. So it was about... Uh, seven years from the publication of the novel, but they yeah. had been playing this game for a very long time before that. Yeah. So did you guys all play Disco Elysium when it came out? Because yes. I did. Yes, I uh, sure did. Not right when it came out, but okay. uh, I had a lot of time the year after it came out. Oh, okay, sure. A lot of free time <laughs> in that year. Yeah. Why? What happened? What happened? <laughs> well, I played Disco Elysium. Right, 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 right. It's a very long game. Um, Yeah, yeah I mean, 30 hours. For me, it's a game that is, it was interesting going back to it again for this show because 
it is so intertwined with a very specific moment in my memory. Mm. You know, it was that run up to the 2020 election. The fact that a lot of the references in there and some of the voices even are, you know, people from the uh, Chapo Trap House extended universe or whatever. Yeah, right, right. There was something about going back to it where it was like, holy shit, like this world is so connected to where I was at at that point in my life. And so for a moment, the like, I don't know, nostalgia or whatever was so overwhelming that it took me a little bit to actually get back into the world of the game. Yeah, but then sure. when I did, it absolutely knocked my socks off. The art director of the game is Alexander Rostov, and he and Robert Kurvitz had like gone way, way back. They were like childhood friends and they had tried a lot of different ventures together. And the origin of Disco Elysium is that one day, apparently Robert just showed up to Alexander's house, knocked on the door, and when Alexander opened the door, uh, Robert said to him, we have failed at so many things. Let's fail at making a video game together. <laughs> huh, that's sort of like a podcast I know about. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say the same thing. That's remarkably similar yeah. to how this thing got started. That's this is, awesome. This is just whatever happens whenever communists make something. That's, that's right. How we, that's how we introduce if it. If we're yeah, going yeah. to fail, at least we can fail together, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think one of the huge strengths of this game is that there were so many people working on it at once. There are, I believe, like eight or nine credited writers on this, in addition to yeah. Robert Kerr. He wrote yeah, right. 500,000 of the words, but that but means that's that only half of the that's words, only half yeah. of the words. <laughs> yeah. And that it is that it is so cohesive and coherent. A vision yeah. is absolutely incredible. I mean, the, the, the way that this world works, too, is it's not just like lore. It's not, you know, it's not. Yeah, lore it, it doesn't for the work sake of the lore. way that a Dungeons and Dragons game works where right. there's like. You have a fucking alignment on the chart of how, what kind of good or bad you are. Well, or, yeah, and that's mostly gone out of fashion, I will say, in D&D &D and tabletop in general. Like, there are people who still use the alignment system. For the most part, sure. it's, it's thrown out the but window. But, like, you know, for the most part, it's like, well, what kind of spells do you know? What kind of history is there to the larger mythical world, you yeah. know? Disco Elysium is about like, who is this person? Mm -hmm. What do they believe? What are the political movements that have happened in this time? Because it's very much based in the 20th century yes. and to some degree the 19th century. And the knowledge that you get and in how your character actually perceives the world is entirely grounded in the way that the, you build the character at the top as mm -hmm. well as how you continue to slot mm -hmm. points into different uh, skill categories throughout the so we might as well talk about yeah what happens when you start the game up right away right yeah you yeah. have three builds that they provide for you um intellect sensitive and physical i believe sounds right and then there's a custom mod that you can do as well if you just want to allocate yeah. your points into different categories this is the sort of thing that is usually a death sentence for me personally sure. it's like oh yeah. here's a game that i have not touched at all i don't know anything about it and it wants me to put a bunch of numbers into a bunch of things they're going to to determine how the whole thing works. Well, yeah, this yeah. is like the problem with a lot of immersive sims from yeah. like around the turn of the millennium. Like Deus Ex has this problem. Like I've had to, I had to restart Fallout 1 like four times. And right. after a while, it's like, well... I <laughs> System I'm Shock not, I'm not 2. I'm not fun anymore. <laughs> right, 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 right. But I mean, the protections of Disco Elysium are that no matter what you pick, you're going to get a different experience. Exactly. In it, yeah. And it ultimately doesn't matter. You can't lose because you built your character incorrectly. Yeah, this it's is, not like System this Shock is, 2 where like, yeah. oh no, 
I built myself into the corner yeah. and I'm like halfway through the game and I have to start the whole thing over again. That's yeah, not going to happen. This is to you night in the Museum. woods with stats. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, everything takes place in the dialogue trees and yeah. it's a game, I think, ultimately about embracing failure. It's a game that mm-hmm. like there is a door in this game that you cannot open. Right. Yeah. It's it, it just won't open. It just won't open, and it, you know. It, it, <laughs> and then it, you can even like go on this whole path where you think about it for a really long time. Yeah, and then you you come to the conclusion that it can't be opened, <laughs> and you have to be okay with that. Yeah. And I think the game is you know it represents the best of like D and D or tabletop games, which is failing forward. Mm-hmm. You never fail backward at Disco Elysium. Right. You only ever fail forward unless you die, which happens a lot in the early and game, which unfortunately happens very close to the beginning. Yeah. And if you didn't think about it and didn't like make a save in the first 10 minutes, you have to replay the entire opening again. Right. Yeah. Which does sort which of implicate a, a behavior that I think the developers don't really want to cause in their players. Yes, absolutely. But, but really what we need to know here about the core of the character build, it doesn't really matter what the specifics of these categories are. They all have kind of these woo right. floaty names. But yeah. basically, like you have stats related to how good of a detective you are right like how well you can recreate a crime scene yeah uh, you have stats related to like how well you can manipulate stuff like picking locks etc and then there's there, one that's to do with how well you can manipulate people yes. uh, which yeah yeah you like you're a th- how much of a policeman you are right there are stats related to your physical right. attributes how right. well can you land a punch or take a hit and then there are stats that are creepy Mm. Yes, uh, one mm. name, you know, one is like, ooh, if you take if you get enough of these, you can be sort of like Agent Dale Cooper from a David Lynch property. Right. Yeah. And you can uh, you can figure things out on a supernatural level. So, of course, it's named after a David Lynch property. And that is Inland Empire. A different thing. <laughs> it's not <laughs> Twin Peaks at all. No, no. <laughs> Um, there are no damn fine cups of coffee to be then, found in Disco Elysium. Uh, just to highlight uh, one more of the supernatural ones, there is something called Shivers, yes. mm-hmm. which gives you all kinds of weird visions of the world around you that yeah. mostly don't really reflect in gameplay. There are a couple of Shivers checks here and there, right? but it's more about just giving you a fun look sort of underneath the surface of the game. Right. And you can talk to the city itself yeah. of Martinez yeah. with Shivers. And Shivers, of course, named after the Ed Sheeran song of the same name. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Ed Sheeran and Disco Elysium. Look, he finds his way into all yeah. great fantasy properties in one so way or another. you are a cop. You have a name, yeah. but you, you don't, don't know, know what it is. We'll talk about that because you yeah. don't know anything right now. Right. You are a blank slate. You you start the game in a void. Yes. Your brainstem and your limbic system start talking to oh, you. Your ancient reptilian brain. Yes. Is These the voices like you want to talk about like setting the tone of a game up top. The way that this game unfolds its narrative at the very beginning with these voiceovers, with these really deep, throaty, guttural, like nothing, <laughs> only warm, primordial blackness. It's yes. pretty good. Yeah. So you get, yeah, you get these, oh, these, no. <laughs> these things. And so you start on this very existential level. What is living? What am I doing? What is an X? something yeah what happened oh my wife must have just left that's like the first little bit of information that you the player get about anything is like well this guy's wife left him recently right yeah but what it mostly clears for you (laughs) recently (laughs) yes what it mostly clears for you and this is important is that up front you know right away what kind of game this is going to be this game is going to be largely taking place inside your own brain Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of things that you're in and, and so that's thing one 
And thing two is you are going to be reading a fuckload. Yeah. This yeah. is a text centric game and you can turn on voice acting. You can have every, yeah. you can have those things read to you. But yeah, if you don't d- like interacting <laughs> with things in a text based setting, yeah. this is not the game. For this you. game no. already takes about 30 hours to beat. And when you have the director's cut voice acting, which has voiced just about everything in the game, mm-hmm. it's going to take a lot longer and you'll probably want to turn it off. At some point. <laughs> just I so you can that. speed through yeah. some stuff. I have first was like, you know, I would because I again, the director's cut having all that new voice. I was like, I'd love to hear it did it for maybe two hours and I was yeah, like, I can't, yeah. I just, I can't. So you wake up in a stupor. You have destroyed your, your hotel room. There's a hole in the window. Cause you yes. threw your shoe out the window. Yep. You have to like find your clothes. You have to see all of the damage that you've caused. You look in the mirror and realize you don't know what your face looks like. Mm-hmm. So you it's try to get steamy. a good look at your face and so you're making the most horrible expression, yeah, the expression. <laughs> And so part of what this game is going to be is it's a mystery. You're going to be putting together the mystery, but you're also going to be putting together what the hell you were doing for like the last right. week that you were there. Because right. it looks like you didn't do any detective work at all. Right. You just just went on a bender. And once you step yeah. out of the hotel room, uh, those suspicions are further confirmed when you meet a mysterious woman yeah. who basically immediately proceeds to tell you, Hey, uh, like you're not looking so hot. At least you're still alive. Yeah, basically. And your, yeah. your only dialogue options are basically saying, okay, I'm fine. And then just like three or four different ways to hit on her. Right. Yeah. I have failed every single time I've tried to hit on her <laughs> yeah. and said, I think and this is actually what really won me over. Like yeah. all the stuff at the beginning was prelude. And then when you can scream out the lines, I want to make fuck with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it that that I'm I was in I was in yeah. for the rest of the rest of the and game. then you take a hit you actually lose health or you yes. lose uh, emotional health when yeah. that happens because this is like the game Indigo Prophecy and yeah. when you go around you can cause damage to your mental health for seemingly no reason oh god David Cage adapting <laughs> Disco Elysium no, would no. be my nightmare no don't even bring that thought into possibility. <laughs> There's really two. There's health- a man hanging from the tree over there. We should go investigate. Stop. I'm Mom and Jaden. Stop. There are there are two main health systems. There's physical health, yeah, which is built into your endurance stat, yeah, yeah. and then there's emotional mental health, which yeah. is built into your volition stat, yeah. And you will frequently take damage throughout. And if your stat gets too low in either of those categories, you die yeah. immediately. Yeah. Very very likely, the first time you make it down to the ground floor and you start talking to Kim Kutsuragi. Oh, Kim. You can make a mistake and you can lose your emotional health there. And typically you start with about two and you will just run out of a uh, jump through a window and bleed out and die. (laughs) And you will see it manifested as just a headline of like police officer jumps through a window and fucking dies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when you hit the low morality, like you just have a mental breakdown. Yeah. And then health, you have a heart attack and die. Hey there, you are listening to a preview of a premium episode of The Worst of All Possible Worlds. If you'd like to listen to the rest of this, head on over to our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash worstofall. And you can listen to not only the rest of this episode, but our entire backlog of premium episodes, bonus episodes. And if you subscribe at the $10 tier, you will get an extra episode of the podcast every single month. Again, that is patreon.com slash worstofall. Hope to see you there.